we now ship this executable version of PNPM. It has also the advantage of uh, better speed. So actually, it's the PNPM which is bundled into this executable. It starts up faster than the JavaScript version. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and joining me today is Zoltan Cochin. Zoltan is the creator of PNPM and working on dependency management at bit.dev currently. Today we'll be talking about his recent talk uh, at this year's Vite conference. And that talk was titled, What Makes PNPM Performant? Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's good. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, I guess, yeah, to get rolling, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as a developer and then how you found yourself at Bit? Okay, so I'm, I live in Ukraine. I'm 32 years old. I have a wife and a daughter. I started my career as a full-stack.NET developer. I started a, a little outsourcing company, then I joined JustAnswer, which is a Q&A website, verified professionals answer questions for subscribed users. I worked there for a long, for a long period, like more than nine years. And there, during my work there, I have discovered PNPM around 2016. The reason I really loved this project was that it it was really fast. Like at that time, NPM was super slow, and it amazed me how how much more performant PNPM was. Although it wasn't like a red, wasn't V1 yet, so it was like a proof of concept at that time, and it was not maintained. But I really liked the idea behind it, so I started to maintain it. And I really improved my JavaScript skills because I was like more into C-sharp before that, but I really started to love JavaScript, TypeScript, front-end stuff. And I, at my work, I switched to DevOps team to work with JavaScript tooling. But it was pretty hard to combine my work at work at, and the maintenance of PNPM. It was five years of this pretty stressful, hard switching between two jobs. And then around, like we we had some communication with a bit for the last like three years. And they also sponsored our project, PNPM through Open Collective, because it was a really important part of their infrastructure. They allowed to choose between Yarn and PNPM. So under the hood, they don't implement their own package management solution, but they use the programmatic API of either PNPM or Yarn. I have helped them to integrate PNPM. We had some history together, so they asked asked me to join and to work on dependency management. So at Bit, I work on the dependency management aspect. They have a lot of nuance in that area. They use they use the package managers on a really low level because they don't even have like packages on files in their workspace. So the, everything is calculated behind the scene by bit and on a low level they tell the package manager what to do. Yeah so and bit is a very very interesting company. I really suggest everyone to check it out. They it's it has a a pretty big learning curve, but once you, if you commit to it, it's really a great way to develop components with Bit. Nice, nice. I've got some. I've got some questions about 
bit specifically and like how devs might kind of get it into their workflow. But before we get there, can we talk a little bit about just kind of package managers more abstractly first? Like what did the space kind of look like in terms of like the package manager ecosystem before you got into PNPM? So at that time, I I think only NPM existed. There was also like Bubber, which was, I guess, in maintenance mode. It wasn't so actively developed. And NPM had lots of issues. So like it was really, really slow. And it used, it had some issues on Windows in, I don't remember which version it was, like three, I think, in, probably until version three, they used, used a nested node modules structure, which was bad on Windows because on Windows, you have a limit to the file path length. So if you have a lot of nesting, you'll have some weird errors. You won't, you won't be able to even remove those directories. So it was really a pain. And it was also not deterministic because back then they didn't really have a log file. They had a shrink wrap JSON, but it wasn't like on by default and not as good as a real log file. Was there, um, what, what was like, what was the big motivating factor for you? Like when, when you discovered PNPM, what was, what state was it in and what, what kind of, you know, drove you to it? First of all, it was very fast. And at that time we had a big monorepo at Just Answer with about maybe 100 projects. And NPM CLI was in about 20 minutes on this monorepo. So I, when I discovered PNPM, it, it didn't work at first on our monorepo, so it had issues. But installation was like a lot faster. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I I believe it it might have been like 10, 10 times faster because later on NPM also improved speed in version five. I think it it was like three, five times faster. But at, the, at that point in time, before Yarn and before PNPM, it was the difference was huge and. That was one. And the second one was the central storage, which PNPM used. I, I've i seen big potential in this. So I realized that we could use hard links or copy-on-write files, like copies on a copy-on-write file systems to share the space for these modules. So we could have the packages in a single place on the disk. And this would drastically reduce the amount of disk space that node modules consume. Mm-hmm. And I had real problems with disk space at that time. Like I think like more than 20 gigabytes of disk space was used by node modules on my drive. Yeah, that's a lot. It's always, I mean, I feel like, yeah, reclaiming disk space is always, always a noble goal. So I think that in and of itself makes sense. What was the, what was the, um, you said there was kind of issues that didn't work right away when you first tried to install with PNPM over NPM and it was kind of in like an alpha state. What was, what was wrong with it and how much work did you need to do to kind of get it to a point where it was, you know, like production ready? Yeah, it's, it missed a lot of parts. It was really like a fast proof of concept i would say because it's it's really easy to write a simple package manager the problem is that there are so many edge cases and little hidden features is used by half percent of projects but uh, in any 
in any project you use like a thousand dependencies. So you will always have this 1% or half percent of edge cases. And it takes a lot of time to fix, to implement everything. But I, I think the biggest missing part was the peer dependencies, the proper peer dependency resolution that wasn't implemented. And like optional dependencies, I think also didn't work. Like even lifecycle scripts didn't work. That's it was like an, an early stage. And I think after like 10 months of development, I have bumped the version to one. So still faster. Once you did that, once you, once you bumped to V1, how did, how did adoption occur? How did like people kind of find PNPM? What, what has growth been like? It wasn't like a viral effect. It was always a slow adoption. I was a bit jealous for Yarn because Yarn came out like maybe five or six months after uh, I have started to develop PNPM. And uh, in two, three days, they got like a huge chunk of NPM users immediately. And even today, we, I think we don't have, like we are far, far away from that level of adoption. But there are positive moments, of course, because you have less pressure. And we still had some huge customers, like huge new users. Very early on, Microsoft started to use PNPM. They have this project called Rush, which is, I guess, a task runner, like a, a Moonrepo management tool. And they they support PNPM, Yarn, and NPM, but they recommend to use PNPM the, like by default. And very, very early on, I have worked closely with... Uh, people from Microsoft to fix issues that they have had on their projects and to help them adopt it. Nice. What What do you think, I guess, do you think it's the case that a lot of monorepos were early adopters of PNPM? Yeah, yeah. Definitely PNPM was really a really good solution, especially for monorepos, because on a small project where you don't have so many dependencies, the, dif- the speed difference is less noticeable and the issues with npm are less noticeable with pnpm uh, and even compared to yarn pnpm is faster on big projects that makes sense i guess is there as as kind of npm and yarn have matured a little bit you know they've got they've brought some features that i think pnpm was aspiring towards originally now today what are like the big advantages of pnpm over just vanilla npm or yarn Yarn has switched to plug and play by default in version two, and it's an interesting approach. But it's it's a bit a bit less compatible with the ecosystem than PNPM currently is. So, uh, of course, they have like options to disable it, and they even added an option to support PNPM style node modules. But still, some. Some folks were disappointed by this direction of Yarn and they they prefer PNPM now. But mostly we, I think we have almost all the same features. We have some features that Yarn doesn't have. They have some features that we don't have, but I would say 90%. We have a 90% overlap, I guess, and they are pretty interchangeable. And with uh, regarding NPM, I think we had a big advantage and still have a big advantage, both we and Yarn uh, in the Monorepo support area, because they only started to support Monorepos 
in uh, like a, maybe a year ago and we already support monorepos uh, for like maybe four years so we have a big leap there and probably this we have better support. Yeah. How, how about like uh like workspaces, like yarn work, like the yarn workspace equivalent? I feel like that was what drove a lot of people to yarn initially. Is there a like a similar feature with PNPM? Yeah, that that is what I mean when I talk about monorepos. So this is the workspaces feature. We support the same in PNPM, and we added this support around the same time. We unfortunately. We did it independently, and when we were naming this feature, we actually used the workspace to call this set of packages. Unlike unlike Yarn, which calls workspace the every single package in the monorepo. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. And there's a really good, uh, you guys have like a really good feature comparison chart on the PNPM website. If any listeners are curious, you can kind of go and see, um, you know, what looks the best uh, for your given use case. But now I'm curious about a bit as well. So what you kind of, you kind of said that the way that bit interacts with package managers is very low level. Can you kind of expand upon that a little bit? If you open up a bit workspace, you will only see directories and tests and source code files. You won't see packages on files. You'll see less node modules directories and you'll see no configuration files like for ESLint, for like prettier and stuff like that. Because Bit like hides all that from you, it handles everything. And even though there are no packages on files, there are components, separate components in this workspace. This is a very powerful and very, it, it provides a very good developer experience because with Bit, when you start using uh, some dependency in a component, you don't have to install it. You don't have to add it to the packages on. So, for instance, you have like a button component, and you st- or you have a card component, and you start using a button dependency in it. So you just write the import statement, and then bit status will show there is a missing dependency if this dependency wasn't yet used in the workspace. And you just run bit install card. Next time when you publish your component, in the generated packages on will have these new dependencies in it. But if you already have the button component in this workspace and and you will write this import statement in a like let's say in a list component, then you then there's nothing you need to do because it's already inside the workspace. Bits code anal- uh, analyzing tool will find this in- import statement and add the dependency to the like dynamically generated packages. On, of course, uh, there are like. So edge cases when you want to maybe use a different dependency in a, in some component. So in that case, you can do that with some commands. But it's a very pleasant, very good uh, developer experience. Like, and refactoring is really simple. Yeah, like you can move around code, and you shouldn't care about updating the packages on files, and you will never forget to remove dependencies that you don't use anymore. Yeah, that's a nice feature. I feel like that's you know, like we. We end up having to lean on tools a lot of the time to like ensure that our packages are all being used in, in the traditional ecosystem. So I feel like that is a pretty nice to have feature. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So what what specifically about Bit? Like I guess why is why is PNPM a good fit for that that kind of developer that abstraction that you just explained? I think the main reason they 
they like Bit and they chose they like PNPM and they chose NPM is that it's fast and it provides a good programmatic API. So we worked together back before I even joined the Bit to refactor PNPM's code base to to allow it to be integrated into the Bit toolchain. And Yarn Yarn also provides a good API. They they also like the strict nature of PN, the PNPM node modules that uh, you know only the direct dependencies are linked, but it's not not like a deal breaker because they can automatically like identify these import statements. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you say when you say like, or I guess when we're talking about the API of a package manager, what like how are how are these tools interacting with these APIs? Like what are what what where are the calls generated and what do they usually consist of? Basically, it's a function that you you can import. Like we have the PNPM PM core library, and it has a function called mutate modules, and to pass it an array of projects. So basically, an, an array of package locations and package manifests. So the package manifest is the packages on file, and you also provide what action happened. Like should PNPM install? all the dependencies in all these projects or should it add some new dependency to a given project or should it remove some dependency or should it update all dependencies or uh, select a given list of dependencies. That's what I mean by programmatic API. And Yarn has a similar programmatic API. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is there, like, is that anything that, you know, more like the consumers of these packages, like typical developers that are just like writing projects, would they ever need to interact with these APIs for any reason, or is this mainly for tooling's sake? Yeah, it's mainly for tooling. We have we have actually another company that uses PNPM similarly, uh, Glitch, glitch.com. Yeah, so they, they also use PNPM similarly. And recently, StackBlitz, they also started to support PNPM and they have like uh, inside their web containers, they have some really great ways to optimize file system operations. So they have created a custom hook hook into PNPM. So it's a bit differently how they use PNPM and uh, Bit because Bit imports some packages from the PNPM like Monorepo, but StackBlitz, they just hook into PNPM. So you, you run PNPM but they override some parts. So like they use a custom fetcher, tarball fetcher, and the custom linker, so a function that writes the files to node modules. So this is some proprietary stuff, I think, that they use in uh, the, their web container, but it's so fast that when you run pnpm install in a StackBlitz web container, it's it's like less than four seconds to install a, in a huge project. And on, locally, you would run it for maybe twenty seconds, so it's a lot more efficient. I know we've been talking we've been talking about like a lot about install speed here, kind of in the context of these tools and platforms. Is there the the disk space advantage that PNPM provides? Is that is that like leveraged as well? Like, is that an important feature? Yeah. So for Glitch Glitch.com, back when they decided to use PNPM, this was the the reason they chose PNPM because they they wanted to sell unlimited disk space to their customers. And the reason they could do it was that they basically mounted a shared drive to each container, which which um, 
basically hosted the this central store of packages used by PNPM. And this way, basically, the node modules didn't consume any additional disk space in these individual containers. For Bit, it's not a big deal, and for StackBlitz, I guess, as well. But for for users, it's a, a big deal because when you are a developer, you 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 will have like many projects on your computer, and if you have this two gigabytes node modules in each project, then you'll have a big problem there. But with PNPM, it will consume a lot less disk space. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And again, like I feel like saving disk space for disk space's sake is good enough for me. I'm, I'm curious though about this glitch architecture where they have this volume shared by like all containers with, or, you know, a large subset of containers with the packages on it. Does that essentially end up with, you know, almost every NPM package or at least every commonly consumed npm package like on this container is it is it essentially just like a pulled down version localized version of all of the modules that npm is hosting probably the yes it contains the most popular ones and i think they even had a script that prefetched the most popular packages to this store mm. and i i don't know everything about this i on this know some details because i didn't see their code base I don't even know if they probably have multiple these volumes. I don't think they use just one, but yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of logic and and stuff figuring out how to like optimize that. It's just I I as a as a notion of like oh these kind these kind of platforms where they have like a lot of projects like you know thousands of projects potentially. I guess I hadn't I hadn't I hadn't looked at these platforms as kind of just a different iteration of a massive mono repo, but it kind of feels like that's what they're doing. It's like a big mono repo in the cloud that they can then use a volume to share all of these node modules across them. Yeah, it, it must be huge. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, we've, we've covered a lot. Is there anything in particular from your talk or just in general that you want to kind of plug and point listeners to? We can talk about some little less known features of PNPM and other package managers. So like a year ago, so when people think about what package manager to use, uh, NPM has all, had also always a huge ad- advantage over uh, Yarn and PNPM because NPM is shipped by Node.js and the developers look at it as, as uh, the default one. And uh, the default has a, an advantage always. And a year ago, Mael, who is the lead maintainer of uh, Yarn, he was able actually to contribute package manager manager to Node.js, which is which is called CorePack. It's shipped from Node.js 16 something, 16.14, maybe or 10. It's turned off by default. It's experimental, but you can easily turn it on by running CorePack core enable. And when you enable it, you immediately get both Yarn and PNPM available in your terminal. I guess it gives us some legitimacy now because Node.js kind of ships it. And if you run this command, like if you run pnpm, then corp, actually corpac is executed and it will dynamically install a stable version of pnpm and execute it right away. There is a command to install as a given version of pnpm. And also in packagesom, there a new field is supported called package manager. And you can specify there the name and the ver- exact version of the package manager, which should be used with that project. And if when CorePack is enabled, 
you can actually run, for instance, yarn in this project. And if this field has a specific version of yarn declared, uh, then Corpac will automatically install and execute that given version of yarn. And the same is true for PNPM. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a, a well thought out place to put that level of configuration, kind of like build, build what like NVM kind of became for node versions, but put it into the package JSON file. Like that's a, that's a cool feature. And you mentioned NVM, so I will talk about the feature of PNPM. So actually before this was contributed to Node.js by ML, I came up with a, uh, with an alternative solution. I thought, why don't we install Node.js uh, by PNPM? There is actually a nice package created by Vercel called Package, package PKG, and it, it, it can bundle your Node.js CLI into an executable, which runs without Node.js. So I was able to bundle PNPM this way, and basically we now ship this executable version of PNPM. It, it has also the advantage of... Uh, better speed. So actually, it's the PNPM, which is bundled into this executable, it starts up faster than the JavaScript version. How is, how is that? Why is, it, why is it faster? They compile JavaScript into some other, into some bytecode or something like that. So it, JavaScript, the JavaScript engine can start faster with this code, but I don't know all the details. The, when we did that, this allowed us to basically use PNPM without Node.js pre-installed on the system. It allowed us to actually use PNPM to install Node.js on, on the computer. So we have this PNPM env commands, which can manage Node.js versions. And there is a setting, a use node version, which you can put into npmrc. And when you run PNPM run, it will actually use the that version of uh, Node.js to run the scripts. So basically, you can use PNPM instead of NVM or other Node.js version managers. Gotcha. So what, what like if a dev wanted to use this, what what does need to be installed on the target system to like to run this initially? Do you have to you have to install PNPM first, then you can run the run these configs that have the you know specified version of NVM. This is the, if you open up our website and go to the installation page, then this, this is actually the, the first way that we uh, tell people to install PNPM, like the standalone version of PNPM. This is the default one that we recommend to install. So it's just a bash script, which in fetch, which downloads uh, this executable from GitHub, from our GitHub release page, and it will work without, without JS. It will update uh, the system path to add a PNPM home directory to it, and uh, the Node.js executable will be linked to that location as well. But uh, of course, nothing prevents you to just use PNPM for managing your Node.js dependencies. Then you can install it with Corpac or with NPM, like NPM install globally. Yeah, well, that's, again, that's a pretty good spot. Is there anything else you wanted to, any other features you wanted to touch on before we wrap up here? Okay, one, one last feature. So this is a new feature which I added in August. It's a new resolution mode. And it was, a, to be honest, it was in, I was inspired by Yarn for this because it's looking to implementing a new uh, resolution strategy. You know, there is this problem when someone publishes some malware in your dependencies. There were several uh, such situations in the past year when someone pu publishes a miner 
or some code that takes your, I don't know, tokens or secret stuff from the RPC. And this this happens because NPM and like all, all the Node.js package managers, they always install the latest version of the package. So Yarn is experimenting with an alternative resolution mode where they install not the latest version, but the lowest version. This way, a newer version will only be installed if the actual somewhere range in the package JSON will be bumped. So just to clarify, so instead of instead of the default behavior of the package manager finding the highest semver match version, it'll find the lowest semver match version and instead install that. Gotcha. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's a bit safer because because uh, the like the dependent package will have to be republished in order to, for the new version to be installed. So the malicious person will have to break all the all the chain of dependencies but this yeah i I think it's a problem of course but this gave me another idea because currently the problem with the fact that we always resolve to the highest possible version is that we cannot use any any cache because we all we don't know if there is a higher version or not we always need to fetch the latest version and if we change we can't easily change this because this is the expectation of the user. So I was thinking about maybe changing the expectation. So I came up with this new resolution mode, which is called time-based. So you can try it out by setting time-based equals, no, resolution mode equals time-based in your NPM RC, and PNPM will use it. When it's on, PNPM will uh, select the lowest versions, but only for the direct dependencies. And then it will uh, pick it will check the t- published times of each of these direct dependencies and pick the latest one. Yeah, and then it will, for the sub-dependencies, it will uh, pick the latest versions from that time frame. So it will, will uh, pick the latest version, but only the latest published before that time. So we can use cache this way, because the ca- if the cache is newer than that time, then we don't need to request the registry. Right, right. So, so essentially, then, effect, I guess, effectively, you end up you're using for subdependencies. You're using the version that your direct dependency was using at its publish time, most likely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. If people will like it, and if we will be able to make it the default one, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Like we could even implement server-side resolution, because currently implementing server-side resolution doesn't wouldn't make a lot of difference because the server would anyway need to request the new metadata each time. So it would be still slow. But with an effective cache, it, it could be really fast. Nice, nice. I'm glad you brought you brought this up. This has me like thinking about package resolution in a way that I hadn't ever really considered before. So yeah, very cool. Well, I guess thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me, Zoltan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me.